0: Do you remember the story of Jesus as a 12 year old boy in Jerusalem? Every year he'd go with Mary and Joseph to the holy city for the festival of the Passover to celebrate God's liberating action that is at the heart of Israel's life and identity. Indeed, God's liberating, life-giving, loving action that is at the heart of all reality. And after the celebrations of the feast were over, the boy's parents assumed that Jesus was in the caravan of people heading back to Nazareth. But after a full day's trip out of the town, out of the city, they discover that Jesus is not with the family and the friends heading back to Nazareth. So out of breath, the anxious parents finally locate their son back in Jerusalem in the temple. Where have you been? We've been looking for you everywhere. The 12 year old surrounded by Israel's teachers who cannot believe the gravity of his wisdom. The 12 year old replies, why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Jesus loves the temple the dwelling place of his heavenly father. And it's the place where worship forms a people who put God at the center of life, a people who learn to take care of each other, honor the land as a gift, a people learning to be peacemakers and pure of heart, learning to share abundantly with the poor and to make a home for the immigrant. In other words, the temple is the beating heart of a people that produces fruit, fit for the kingdom of God. The temple shapes a people who take responsibility for the ways of God in the world, who walk in the way of love. And I begin with this story of the 12 year old Jesus and the context of the temple, because in today's gospel reading, we find Jesus in the temple as a grown man, Some 20 celebrations of the great festival of Passover have been observed since he was a boy, and he is again in Jerusalem just days before the Passover. And if his 12-year-old appearance in the temple was memorable, this last trip in his early 30s is unforgettable. He's entered the holy city on a donkey, which is a symbol of humility, but it's also a sign of kingship, In the book of the prophet Zechariah, we hear that the true ruler of God's people will come so mounted. Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you. Triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey. If Jesus was the source of a memorable scene as a 12-year-old with the best teachers in town gathered around him, that was only the beginning. On this trip, many are gathering around him, not only as a great teacher and a prophet, but as king. They lay down their coats on his way, and they wave palm branches with shouts of, Hosanna to the son of David, here is the king the ruler of God's people coming through the gates into the city. And Jesus's triumphant entry into Jerusalem is an unmistakable political act. On this visit, he comes to be acknowledged as king. He is the son of David, the one long expected. But he will triumph not through violent revolt as the rulers of this world, but by being for Israel, the one who is able to show it that its worship of God is its freedom. He enters a city in turmoil, and where does he go immediately? To the temple, to the temple, to the beating heart of the people of God to the all-important place where God's action breaks into the world, to the place that keeps God at the center of all things, a place set apart to transform people to walk in the way of love. And when he arrives and takes his place at the center of the temple, Jesus drives out whatever's blocking the light from shining through whatever is a stumbling block for the people that he loves and serves. So he drives out the buyers and sellers who are only seeking a profit. He overturns their manipulative tables of commerce. He upends a corrupted structure of power. He's cleaning out the temple, any force that's trying to push God out of the center of Israel's life. And now he stands at the center of the temple, the one who is light from light, God from God. In him, the God of Israel, the maker of heaven and earth, returns to the center of it all. And after he cleans house and opens wide the doors, who is it that comes flocking into the temple? Matthew's Gospel tells us that it is the poor, the lame, the outcast, and the children who come streaming, streaming to the light. Jesus places God's way of outstretched love back into the beating heart of Israel's life. He brings peace to the temple. In him, God once again stands at the center of all things. But those who see that they're losing their power and their status, they're not happy with all of this turning upside down of things. So the leaders of the oppressive status quo, it's not leadership that's bad, it's leaders of an oppressive status quo, leaders of a system that's rigged to serve their interest, they come after Jesus with some questions that they need answered. They relentlessly try to trip him up. They try to push him out of the center of things so they can occupy that space, that center of things, without interruption. Thank you very much. But who is it that they're pushing out? It's God's life in the flesh. It's God's love in the flesh. They can choose to recognize God's action at work through him and allow allow God back into the center or they can keep tying up heavy burdens and walking by their own lights. This power structure that Jesus is going after is built on systemic oppression and that system wants to remain at the center So what we have in our gospel reading this morning is a showdown. And who is it that most clearly sees the one who's to be in the center of it all? It's the humble and the pure of heart, the poor and the peacemaker. Those who cry out in need, they see God's temple being filled with the everlasting light of the kingdom. Because the kingdom as we hear in our gospel, belongs to those who are learning to care for each other, those who honor the land as a gift of God, a people learning to be peacemakers and pure of heart, sharing abundantly with the poor and making a home for the immigrant. In other words, a people who learn to wash each other's feet and walk in the way of love to them belongs the kingdom. When the power-hungry chief priests and leaders listened to the parable of the wicked tenants, as Jesus stands in the heart of the temple, they realized that he was talking about them. They were right. Well done. And let us not suppose that this is only a story about then and there, or about them and not us. Jesus, the one who lays it all down in love, and the one who is the beating heart of all reality, is standing at the center of our house of worship this morning. And he's calling us to put him and his kingdom, to put God's life, back at the center of all things in our life. The vineyard belongs to him, not to us. And too often in this world, we deceive ourselves and we pretend that we are the vineyard owners and we make the rules of the game. We inch God's life out of the center so that we can be at the center of it all, making making the rules, walking by our own lights, and it creates the mess that we're in. This morning, Jesus stands at the center of God's house, offering himself and his way of love to us. And in him is the heartbeat of all reality. We can push him out, We can go on pretending to be clever vineyard owners. We can mock him. We can even kill him. But as the crucified and living one, he always stands at the heart of it all with his arms outstretched, forgiving us and feeding us with the life of God. In a small morsel of bread, he gives his life to us. And his life, his love, is all that we need to produce the fruits of the kingdom of God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.